0: Hello there fanboys and fangirls and everyone in between. This is The Doctor talking. This podcast is brought to you by the Nerdy Punk Studios. And is a proud member of the Discussing Network. Alright, allons You
1: are now entering the Phantom Squad podcast. Enjoy the match. This is going to be another episode of the Phantom Squad Podcast. My guest this week is actor Nathan Lovejoy. How's it going? It's going well. How are you going, Jeremy? Doing good, doing good. Thank you for coming on the show, and I'm glad to have you.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: All righty. Now, the uh, first thing I wanted to ask you, I see that uh, it says you uh, you grew up in Australia and then came to America. How was that growing up in Australia and that acting than going to like Los Angeles and stuff like that.
0: <laughs> it was good. I, I was talking to someone else about this yesterday. I mean, it's a big, it, it, it's a big difference. Uh, I was actually just home in Australia for a couple of months, and you know, we were there for for such a long time that you settle back into the rhythm of of being home. And you know, it's a, it's a it's a quieter, easier lifestyle in many ways. And when my wife and my son has almost won, uh got off the plane in LA a few weeks ago you sort of have to steal yourself as you come out the uh, the doors of Tom Bradley you're like all right here we go we're we're stepping back out into the jungle so there's certainly a certainly a big difference and particularly with uh with LA I think it's a really really specific town it's uh it's exactly the way you think it would be but I think because we've grown up so much with it and, and seen it on TV and and feel like we know it so intimately you expect it to be perhaps a little more familiar uh, than it is. And it can kind of be a little discombobulating and and, and alienating in some ways. It's a great city though. Don't get me wrong. So yeah, it was a, it it was, it's a big transition and no matter how much you think you're sort of prepared for it, it's always uh, a a bigger, a bigger jump than perhaps you, uh, you would have anticipated. I thought going into my move to LA when I tried to do it that, you know I was like I'm a realist I know I'm not just going to step off the plane and and set the world on fire I know it's going to be hard but it's always inevitably I think in LA it ends up being much harder than you ever anticipated it would be
1: oh yes there's a lot of uh, from what i talking to other (laughs) people there's a lot of uh, rejection that you don't realize when you first go out because you (laughs) like you might be the biggest the best let's just say voice actor in your hometown but when you come to LA you're you're like, oh, these are everybody, I'm at a different Man. caliber here. hundred
0: percent. That's right. Everyone who's the best of the best is there. And you know, the voiceover example is a great one. I, I have a, a, a voiceover agent in LA who's who's fantastic. And I've done a few bits and pieces. I've normally been pretty busy with the with the Disney show, but I send off a lot of a lot of voiceover auditions. The way it works is you sort of record the lines for a character at home and you, you ship them off over the internet. And I I, I send off so many auditions and every time I do it, I think, you know, this is pretty good. I reckon this, this is, this is going to be it. And as far as my voiceover career goes in in the States, I I mean, my hit rate's pretty low and I feel like I send out all this stuff that is like really, really good, but clearly there's someone else out there who's much better than me for it. So yeah, you're absolutely right. I think that's, um, that's a thing that, uh, you really underestimate, no matter how how much of a, a, a kind of realist or, or whatever sort of abs. You know, I, as I was sort of saying before, I don't think I have that sort of stars in my eyes, delusional quality going into my uh, ho- Hollywood experience. But inevitably, yeah, there's more there's more rejection and, and hardship than perhaps you uh, you would have anticipated going into it. And I and I think to your point. It's not just because it's a hard gig, which it is, but I, I, I think that's so true that it is just everyone who is good at what they do is there. So it's just hyper competitive.
1: And I know for you, you're like, especially having, you know, the the accent that you have, you're like, oh, I thought I thought I would have an edge because I know Americans like this <laughs> over the regular accent. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, that's definitely true um you know i think there's something about australians and and english actors and danish actors um there is a a real kind of fascination with us i think in the us and i think also part of it is that most people that come in from overseas have while it's hard making the transition to working in the us i think a lot of foreign actors are coming off a pretty strong base from whatever their home country is so you know in australia or I, I had a career i I went to drama school and so I had a, a background and a whole lot of experience to begin with coming into it. And I think that's probably true with a lot of performance from other countries is you don't, most people don't make the leap to trying to work in the US unless they've got a fair bit of experience in the first place. And I think that means that people that come from those foreign markets are perhaps pretty well placed to succeed um, in the US, then perhaps... You know, I mean, I'm I'm generalizing, but but the, the kind of the the archetype or the myth of someone packing up their 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 suitcase in in Oklahoma and driving out to LA because someone said they were the prettiest kid in high school or something, and trying to, and trying to kind of make it make it work in the big smoke. I think a lot of people yes. that, um, that come in from other countries obviously have um have got a pretty strong CV in the first place, and I think that's probably a part of why you see so many foreign actors have success in the u.s and you know combined with the fact that i think there is probably a a novelty factor
1: (laughs) yes it's like i'm a big fan of like british culture like doctor who and stuff so i i get it for the foreign stuff it's a it's a very big novelty here like all the slang and everything that's one reason i want to ask you like when you worked the sammy J and randy (laughs) how was that experience like going from that very that very more Adult kind of Australian humor to like a Disney kids show sitcom type of humor.
0: Well, you know, weirdly enough, it, it um I think there's like real similarities between those those two characters. They're both sort of in in positions of uh, authority. One's a school principal, and one was the, he was the boss of a, a law firm. Um, and so, and they were both, they both sort of have a lack of self-awareness and both, both very kind of verbose, like they sort of love, love, uh, love language and the sound of their own voice. So I think weirdly enough, those two characters were pretty similar. And actually my manager, um, in the U S who was the one who really found me that, that Disney job in the first place had a connection. With one of the creators, Mike Alba, one of the showrunners, and I think he'd somehow come across the script for the Disney show, and he and he thought that I'd be good for it. And the thing that they submitted to them was um, some clips of the Sammy J and Randy show, which of course is very, uh, very un-Disney. But I think there was something about that that they were like, "Yeah, I think this could, uh, I think this could work." So weirdly enough, there was some crossover. But I'm hoping that. Uh, there's not too many uh 11 year olds in middle america that have have gone uh seeking out the sammy and sammy jane randy back back catalog i think there's some clips like buried on my instagram as well that <laughs>
1: I'm,
0: I'm not i'm not particularly g-rated but uh yes, yeah
1: after yeah i've definitely seen the when i saw that credit i was like oh because i've loved that his comedy the the uh, oh, stand-up you? And was awesome. I was like, oh, I told my my girlfriend, she's like, wait, what, is that the I was like, yes, the the purple puppet, the one that's like that's good you that can't you name know your kid Bryden. What do you mean he's allergic to fucking blue? And I was like, that one she was like, oh my God. I was like, yes, I definitely gotta ask him about working with Randy, oh, the yeah. puppet.
0: Oh yeah. Well where did you where have you seen him? Did you see him on that like comp, that stand-up show out here, or did you know him? <laughs>
1: um it was uh my buddy it was on i was like one of the youtube videos where he's like on stage behind the desk
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: and it was like a confirmation i was like oh this is amazing this is hilarious
0: yeah he's so good and i think he was on um because the guy who who does Randy is a guy called heath McIvor, but he's very particular about um I, actually in australia I was like after Semi and Jane and Randy, we were. I was like nominated for a, a you know a, a film and TV award, and and I was nominated against Randy as as well. So it was me, Nathan Lovejoy, <laughs> and Randy. He's always he's always credited as Randy, and anytime time he appears, he's Randy. It's never like Heath who performs Randy. Randy is a real entity, but he was out here doing a sort of an, a, a kind of uh, stand-up American idol type show. I forget what it was called, maybe last comic standing or something, but he did really well with that. And he's been coming out to the U S pre pandemic and doing a whole lot of stuff out here. But, uh, but he's incredible as much as he doesn't like uh, to be referred to Heath McIver, who was the guy behind Randy. is. I mean, he's a, he's a genius. And when we made that show, which was really, some time ago now but it was extraordinary watching him do that because he'd be mic'd up for sound and he'd have all these sort of ninja moves that, that he would be able to execute to do things like you know have randy uh have randy walk along a street and uh, and different things so just an incredibly gifted puppeteer and and so so funny yeah his comedy is fantastic
1: so for you with that was it sort of like a moment with like seeing him do that work was it Like as a kid, were you like a fan of like Jim Henson, the Muppets and kind of seeing like an adult version of like the Muppets or something like that?
0: Yeah. I mean, when someone's really great at that sort of thing, and that's my only experience of being up close and personal with it, where you where you, you can see the mechanics happening. But when you were working with him. You know, you'd think maybe it would be a challenge to not look at the the guy operating the puppet that you'd have to really work to sort of make sure that you're actually looking at the puppet. But you just—he's so so real and alive that you can't do anything but deal with with Randy. He's he's very much there and and in the scene. So yeah, that, as I said, that's my only experience of of seeing it up close and personal. But certainly at that level. Randy was very much a fully three dimensional uh, uh, being that you had to reckon with and and deal with when you were uh, when you were around him, even in between takes, you know, because, of course, you know, he wouldn't call cut and he'd sort of just stop doing it. He could he could sort of drop in and out of it and, and he'd be able to have conversations on the side. But Randy would very much stay alive, you know, in between takes um so you were constantly dealing with him both on and off camera and occasionally you'd sort of have to you know you catch yourself and be like oh my god it's a puppet but it very (laughs) much seems like a real person
1: yes it's definitely that's what i got from the stand-up that i saw of it because i was like okay i'm not like like some people like okay the puppet's the gimmick i'm like this is like as like a real comedian. It just happens to be a puppet.
0: We'll have to make sure we send. Uh, we have to send Heath a copy of this interview. It's just. Uh, it's it's going to be good. He could get some quotes from it. But yeah, he. Uh, it, that's right. And his whole career is is just is is just Randy. You know, but obviously, it's Heath is is sort of writing the comedy and and delivering the the comedy through through Randy. But you you you'd you'd think that Heath. The guy behind Randy, be like, I wonder what it would have been like for you to just get up and do the stand up without the kind of vehicle of the puppet. I, don't know, I think he would, still would have been incredibly successful, but it's a it's a mind bending thing to think about. And you know, uh, I was just thinking about it the other day. The way it's his life's work. Like Randy, it wasn't like Randy was sort of a gimmick for for one show or something. Like he he is Randy, Ran, and Randy is such a huge part of his 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 life and it's an on an ongoing thing yeah it's endlessly fascinating and he's incredibly talented so if you're listening to this and you haven't seen any uh randy randy that i don't know how you look him up i guess if you look up randy comedian you'll probably find him
1: oh, on youtube it's i think just randy the puppet <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> it should be pretty easy to track down but well worth uh well worth a watch and if you've got yeah. your uh maybe maybe put the kids to bed for that one
1: <laughs> yes i definitely say probably probably 15 plus <laughs> yeah, so.
0: good uh good psa well done
1: <clears throat> yes definitely i know for sure especially like come from that comedy background i know a lot of terms and slang words that you guys use in australia i know like like i said swearing is okay on this podcast i know you guys use like word, word cunt a lot i'm going yeah. forward to what we use <laughs> <laughs> I know that was like a big difference for so how was it for you like just the different script writers from like a like a show like that versus like the script writing and the the machine itself as like working on like a Disney show?
0: You mean the difference sort of between the two shows? Between like Yeah, uh, so
1: sort of like a like a production side of things. Uh, yeah. How was that for you?
0: Um yeah, I mean the writing on the on the Disney show is 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 fantastic I, I think and that that character that i'm uh, able to play i mean i would love to obviously i've worked in a lot of non kids tv as we've sort of been talking about and that's certainly my my aspiration is i want to do some some non kids tv again at some point but that was what was such a gift about it when the, the audition came through for, through for it in the first place. I, I thought that the writing was of an incredibly high standard. And I think as it's gone on, uh, it, it's continued to be. And I think particularly this second season, that classic thing of it's a kid's show, but I think there's so much in there, particularly in the writing for, for adults to enjoy and a lot of humour that's probably just for parents that's going to go over the, the kid's head as well so it's been fantastic and and even the again going back to that point you made at the start of our conversation about LA being the the epicenter of 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 creative talent that of course extends to uh, writers rooms as well just the caliber of 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 the writing and the people that they assemble. There's the showrunners, Gabe and Mike, and then I think, you know, it's a room of about 10-ish people and a lot of sort of young writers uh, on the Disney show that perhaps don't have a whole lot of credits, but just what they were uh, able to do and, and, and achieve and the level uh, to which they execute their craft is, like, mind-boggling. And 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 you know, having said that, I don't think that you see that on every kids show. I've occasionally seen other uh, kids scripts that have kind of come across my desk, and it's all. It, it, I've never read anything that sort of lives up to the incredibly high standard of 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 what they've managed to create with the Gabby Duran scripts. So yeah, I have nothing but nothing but praise for the writers, and it certainly wasn't. There was no real sort of change or or, or or transition that i needed to make in terms of sort of saying oh well, this is like this is kids this is kids tv so i've got to come at it this way i you know going back to your original question i just enjoyed at it and enjoyed it and came at it in much the same way i would uh, an adult comedy there really was not a lot of difference
1: for you how was it for On the set do you for the character was it all completely written or do they let you improvise for the character because i definitely (laughs) see in your portrayal it's very uh mighty pythons i can see the influences and so do they do do you get to improv a lot with your comedy background or is it kind of just the set script
0: it's pretty set which uh you know and and i'd often have a sort of uh half-joking whinge uh, and complain to the showrunners about the fact that uh, I wasn't allowed a little more free reign to improvise and part of that is because you know the Disney behemoth does have a lot of control um, over the scripts and obviously they need to be super mindful of what goes into them because it's a kids show and all the rest of it so there's some pretty Pretty, pretty, uh, pretty tight constraints around what's on the page. Having said that, I have managed to slip a, n- a number of things past uh, the senses, um, and there's been a few things watching the episodes this season as they air. I'm like, oh, you'll manage to get that one in. But more often than not, I, uh, I would be unsuccessful. And often that would be my release, I'd have to say sometimes, Jeremy, is I would occasionally do something as long as the kids weren't around because you had to be careful if the kids were on set. But if they weren't for a fourth or fifth take, I would love to throw in something deeply inappropriate that was never going to make the cut. Just for my own <laughs> just for just for my own amusement and to kind of keep me on my toes. And I said actually to one of the directors on this season, um, Bridget Stokes came in and I and I sort of talked to her before she she shot her block. We have all sorts of different directors and she was like, you know, how do you like to work? And I said, uh, she said, you know, I'd love to give you uh, an opportunity to just sort of improvise and find some stuff. And I said, that'd be great. I said, you're probably not going to end up using any of it because they won't let you. But it's still really fun, really fun for me uh, to be able to kind of stretch that that muscle and, 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 and stay playful. So, yeah, I would still do a lot. In answer to your question, in summary, I would do a lot of improvising much of which
1: would not end up on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's a story where I had Dylan Snyder, who was uh, Milton on the show, kicking it for Disney. And yeah. he said that Jason Earls, who has, you know, been on the Hannah Montana and a whole bunch of other things. And mm-hmm. he said there was a joke that there, he got around the censorship that he was teaching them as young actors, mm-hmm. that as long as there's a prop, you can more likely get away with the joke. And he said in one scene, he was holding three juggling balls and the joke that he kept, and they had to get it through the episode, he was like, I'm just the guy with three balls and a dream. <laughs> and because he was physically holding the juggling balls, they could it was passing the loophole through the censorship so of the ball joke. Man. And he was like, and, so and, learning yeah. those and teaching that, just like how to get him you know, having that experience as a, Disney actor for that many years, and then teaching the younger Disney actors, hey, you can still get this very funny, inappropriate joke, but here's a way to do it to pass the execs. That's good.
0: (laughs) I mean, no, no one has, no, no one's, no one's taught me that line about the, about the prop. You can certainly just like back directors and editors into a corner, you know, if you're sort of like doing something the same way over and over and you're really committed to the idea that that's how you think it should be. And they're often like, hey, just, just, can you just do one where you just do it this way and so you know inevitably if you do do that that'll end up being the one that gets used in the edit but you just if you just sort of nod and agree and go yeah 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 I'll give you one like that and then just keep doing it the same way in the same way and eventually they'll run out of time and they'll just <laughs> they'll have to use your version but uh yeah it's a funny one there's a sequence in in season 1 which is probably I think no matter how long the show goes on for, I, I think it'll remain my crowning glory. It's like a basketball sequence where I play one-on-one with this, this kid, Jeremy, and that was entirely improvised because just, we just hadn't really figured out how to do it. So, and I had a, a background playing basketball and could kind of look like I knew what I was doing. And so that was shot very sort of wild and loose, and I did heap That was all improvised. Um, and it's such a great sequence. So that was one I managed to get away with because they there was they had no other choice.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, like the secrets that I loved. Watching the episodes, it's like I guess it's definitely I haven't watched like the Disney Channel stuff it yeah, in a yeah. while because I kind of wasn't that I kind of grew up. It just like at, it was one the of those because it was the uh, mix between well. <laughs> yeah, you know, mix <laughs> between like the cable, you know, the cable going everything going to streaming, so it's not like yeah. you used to or like. Oh, I can just go to the Disney Channel it's like oh I gotta find these shows Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so for that like the sequence that made me laugh was like where uh where principal is teaching Jeremy the 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 different stuff about being a human he's like you're the expert you should know this and then they got the jazz musician Mm -hmm. and he's like yes if it's very terrible you take the money to show him how bad he was Yeah, it's right. like, you didn't take, and then you're like you didn't take enough money i think you might have made him mad <laughs> I know, it's
0: so weird it's very funny so much so much weird loopy stuff yeah it's great
1: yeah it's just like i said it's a great show I, like i said i always try to do research or watch a little bit of each guest and i was like okay i think even though i'm doing this for the, the research i'm going to continue watching this after the interview this is actually pretty good oh, that's and good. it's in my realm of sci-fi and i was like as a fan of, you know, like Anna, you know, as a fan of just like kids, the animation stuff and stuff that's made for kids, but also has really good Mm. stuff for adults and those jokes. Like it's a very, very good show. And like your portrayal, like I said, very has that much, that quirky, perfect balance of not too silly where it's like, Oh, okay. This is being played too much, but it's that, like I said, that perfect mighty pythons enough where it's the fish out of water where just the just just like your hands or your hip movements are just that little bit of thing is just makes just that your movements are just funny. Just the way you move is I can definitely see that in your performance. Uh, so uh, who was your your inspirations when you started acting going from like your basketball career to mm-hmm. acting like who was your inspirations like who you looked for to kind of base your performances.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was how, who I sort of based my performances off, but this came up in a conversation yesterday that uh, definitely the 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 big thing for me I remember going to see a production of Sunset Boulevard the musical in Melbourne and it had Hugh Jackman in it. You probably know from all the X-Men movies because he of he, course is yes. a big his big song and dance man um, before he became an action an action star and and just a a general great actor all around but so I saw him on stage in that production when I was like I don't know I must have been 12 or 13 and I went along with my parents and apparently looking back at the reviews and sort of the critical response to that production it wasn't meant to be that great but as a, as, a, as a 13 year old I was just gobsmacked I loved it and I went along with my parents and I remember sort of turning to them at the end and being like, oh, my God, how good was that? And my parents are pretty circ- circumspect people. No, like, oh, no, no, yeah, it was good. But me as a, as a 13-year-old was like, oh, it just had blown my mind. And so that I remember being the first time that I was like, I think that's what I want to do. And I went home and got all the the prospectuses for the performing arts schools in Australia, and I was like, this is it. This is This is the thing I'm going to do. So I think that was like the, the moment for me that uh, that probably sent me down that path. I was playing a lot of basketball at that age, but I was also doing all the school productions at school. So I was one of those kids that was like a little bit sporty and also in the artsy artsy crowd. But that was definitely one of those moments where I was like, yeah, I think that's what I I think that's what I want to do.
1: Awesome. So, how was it for you? Like the difference between like remembering uh, remembering uh, like game plays versus like remembering lines. How is that <laughs> comparison for you? Like remembering those different things.
0: That's a good.
1: Is that good same one. muscle that's or?
0: A, that's a good analogy. I mean, that was one of the things that I, you know, that I always struggled with uh, with basketball. I think because I sort of stopped at about eighteen years old. That that time that i think happens for every kid when if you've been playing competitive sport at a high level and you sort of at the end of high school you're probably starting to have a few sneaky beers at parties you know you are kind of getting into girls or wh- whatever it may be and 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 you 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 know your focus is is starting to to be split and so the thing i always struggled with with basketball i think at the pointy end of it all was like the discipline it was so sort of um militaristic and and um and you know learning the playbook and stuff like that so I always probably struggled with that that part of it I did have a bit of a a resurgence later in life when I'm you know because I stopped playing basketball about at about 20 went off became an actor and then in my late 20s I started playing again not professionally but just like you know midweek games and stuff and as an older adult I love that that sort of not the discipline, but like, I, you know, I always wanted to sort of keep going. I, I, you know, where, if you, if I was sort of down at the local YMCA playing with younger kids, they'd be like, ah, we're done old man. I I need to have a break now. And I'd be like, just one more, let's go. Come on, one more game. But that was when I was sort of in my late twenties, early thirties. I I discovered a a passion for that, the, 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 the discipline, I, I guess. So as that kind of compares to acting, I mean acting is definitely not as intense or as discipline heavy as as playing sport at the highest level. I don't care what anybody says. Um but but it's definitely um it's definitely part of it and you know just using line learning by way of example is that that part of it certainly is a discipline. You know you can't you can't just sit down and uh at least I can't. I don't have a photographic memory. I can't sit down and learn a scene in five minutes and then be able to perform it five minutes later. For me, I know that it's going to take me 48 to 72 hours before something really sort of sinks in and you don't have to think about it and the lines just sort of sort of fall out of you. So whenever someone says to me, whether they're learning lines for a speech at a friend's wedding or, or just having their first go at memorising something, they're like, how do you do it? I sat here and I stared at this text for like two hours and I couldn't learn it. And that's where the discipline comes in because that you you can't do it like that. You got to sort of, you do it one day, you put it aside, you come back to it. Then you have to run it with someone. You need to know how much time it takes for you to kind of sort of drop in. So there's definitely a a, a discipline um, to that part of it. And I was, I'm probably uh, by the fact that I'm, still a working actor and not a professional basketball player perhaps I was I was better at the uh I was better at the line learning than the than the learning the playbook
1: yes yes yeah definitely uh so that uh being you know doing the sports and the acting how is it with you now being a parent how is that affecting you as an actor and like I know they're still young, but if, are you going to encourage them to be an actor as well and do the family <laughs> business, or is it kind of like you'll encourage it if it comes up or how is that, uh, those different aspects in your life?
0: Man, I don't know. I mean, I would love him uh, to, to play basketball and, and, and Jess, my wife and I could have a nice, easy retirement. I think we set him up for his NBA career early um, I do feel like if he wa- if he was interested uh, in sport, going back to what I was sort of saying before about how I felt super burnt out at like seventeen, eighteen, I feel like I'd have a bit more of a sense of how to how to find that balance with a kid playing sport at a really high level. But who knows? That might never happen. I was re- reading an interesting article a couple of months ago about it a guy who, who I think it was in Canada, who was a big ice hockey player. And he had all these dreams for his kid to be an amazing ice hockey player. And he just wasn't like, no matter what, the despite the genetics and despite his best efforts to encourage him to do it, it just, just wasn't in this kid. And the article was just about this father reckoning with that, um, and, and finding other ways to connect with his son. So very realistic, uh, Outcome may be that he's, uh, he's he's not super interested in sports. So maybe he'll be a, a creative kid. I don't know what I'd do in that case. I think that, you know, any form of, 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 of creativity is, is so great, even if it doesn't um, result in that being what you do for a job. You know, I think it's so important when I used to sort of teach a, a bit of acting in Australia, i teach sort of acting classes for adults and there'd be a real range of people that would come and do, a, do those sorts of classes. Some people wanted to be professional actors and some people just wanted to kind of get up and have a go. So I think f- fostering and encouraging that, that creativity in your kids is so important. W- would I... Uh, I don't know how I'd feel about about him necessarily pursuing it as a as a profession, but of course I'd never say no. But I mean, the truth is, it's I mean, it's as we were sort of saying at the head of the conversation, it's it's really hard. But I guess I'd be well placed to 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 give some uh, some honest feedback and tell some stories about just how hard it uh, it really is to try and turn it into a job, because I think even for those of us that. Uh, have done okay have done okay or are doing okay it's still uh <laughs> it's still a real battle I sometimes think my uh my my life would be a little more straightforward if I was doing something else for a job but hey what can you do <laughs> i'm stuck with yes. it. I can't do anything else anymore
1: uh, yes yeah definitely like especially with all the rejection definitely be able to help them as like uh give them insight of how to deal with that rejection and yeah yeah this, and the same like you said you couldn't see yourself doing anything else uh, like the great voice actor Rob Paulson says he's like I get to do voices for a living. He's like it's better than lifting stuff. What can I say?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, you know, and also you your your life can a, cre- a creative life can pull you in all sorts of different directions, you know. You might start off as a as an actor, you might become a podcaster or a writer or or a teacher. So, I guess that that would be my my broader advice to anyone who sort of um, embarks on a creative life is just go with the flow. You know, you've got to see where it takes you. It might not be exactly the thing that you thought it was going to be. You know, if you've got if you you think you're going to go and set Hollywood on fire, hey, maybe you will. Anything's possible, but also be open to the possibilities that it might pull you in all sorts of different directions that are equally valid and um and equally valuable and 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 worthwhile
1: now for you how was it when you uh as working for the disney company have you been to like the the big disney like disney world disney stuff like do yeah. you get like free amenities with working for disney and stuff like <laughs> you that? you do or?
0: you do well disney is a very large organization as as I'm sure everybody knows I think they I think they 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 control the world but if you're on Disney Channel you do get tickets to to the parks Um, so that's really cool because of the pandemic that really um, stopped that for 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 some period of time but I managed to squeeze in one visit it was actually for the launch of the show and I took some friends uh, with me uh, some buddies of mine came along and, and my wife. We didn't have our baby, Henry, at that point. It was before he was born. But we had a great day at the park and we've got to get back out there now that things have kind of opened up again. And that was pretty cool because you get like a VIP tour guide. Um, and I'd never been to Disneyland at all. And, you know, obviously you have to queue up a long time for the rides, but if you've got one of these guides, they just shepherd you through to the front of the queue <laughs> and you know you get straight on and if you want to stay on the if you want to stay on the ride you can and you can just ride it multiple times in a row now unfortunately my i don't love rides my wife does so it was good for her and good for a couple of my friends i did go on a couple of the really big ones and we've got some very funny photos of me you can find those on my instagram as well of me just looking incredibly unwell on the on the tower of terror and on um one of these big roller coasters. I, I look like I, I couldn't get off those things soon enough.
1: Great. Awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. I've always wondered that. I'm like, huh, what if they get like, hey, you get free stuff for working for the company. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, not always. I had a buddy that just did a couple of scenes on like a Disney film, I think, and he asked the same question. He was like, hey, can you guys hook me up some tickets to the park? And they're like, no. I asked for tickets <laughs> to, a, to, a, to an NBA game. Once, I think, which I was, uh, I was, I was re- rejected. Um, but yeah, so, you know, it just depends what it is, but we certainly get tickets to the park. So that's cool.
1: Awesome. Now, I don't know how it was since it was a few years ago with uh with you being on Sammy and Randy versus this show. How was it for you, like with audiences in public? Have you been recognized by anyone or?
0: You know, not that much. One, one kid, like during the pandemic in my neighborhood in L.A., Uh, who was, like, running a little stall on the side of the road, like a little sort of juice stall or something, was like, you're – my surname's Lovejoy – but she was like, you're Nathan Loveheart. And I was like, yeah, that's close enough. Uh, So she said one kid (laughs) recognised me. But then since then, I mean, not really at all. And partly, I I think, for a lot of the time, I've been in Canada making the show and – but I think it is on Disney Plus up there. But the biggest thing that I think has has stopped uh, me get, being mobbed in the street by children is masks during the pandemic. Like I think no one could really uh, see my face. So I don't know if now that I'm getting out with my um my my unmasked face a bit more, maybe I'll maybe I'll get a little more recognition. I mean I'm hard to hard to miss between my incredibly unfortunate face and my six foot uh, seven frame. It's it's not hard to know it's me. So I'm hanging out for a bit more recognition. Surely it's coming.
1: Oh, that's awesome. And I didn't realise you were that tall. Like I'm I'm only five five, so I'm jealous. But Yeah, I do <laughs> so I get how is that. that for you being I know like the world isn't made for your size? How is that uh, you know, just in just the in general term and as an actor, like your height, has that affected like your acting stuff or what roles you've gotten or
0: Yeah, I mean I'm sure it has. The way I explain it is, I don't know a lot of the time. Like, and there's always things I'm sure that happen on the casting side when they might watch an audition from me and be like, "This guy's great," but he's like, you know, he's almost seven foot tall. This just isn't going to work. So I'm sure that there's those kind of instances, and then there's other situations where it might be a role where that's what they want, and so that can be great. And I think. Uh, you know I think with the with with Gabby Duran I think it probably worked in a weird kind of way I think you know as you were sort of touching on some of the physical stuff earlier I think that my sort of John Cleese-esque frame um, yes is 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 probably part of what's funny but of course it's a real challenge casting me opposite 12 uh, year olds which they were to begin with and now one of them 16 and Two of them are sixteen, and the others are getting older as well. But when we first began, they were tiny, and so I'm sure there was a lot of hand wringing on the casting side about whether we could cast this this enormous man opposite these kids. But you know, it, most of the time it 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 um it works out, and I think uh, that on most projects, it's you know to watch to watch me on screen. I think in anything that I've been in. You know that I'm tall. You can tell when someone's tall. You're like, oh, that guy's really tall, but you can't. You're not really sure how tall or not. So I think it's less of a problem than perhaps people um, sometimes think that it is. But I'm sure it's. It's you know, it's like anything. You know, just, you know, the hairstyle, your hairstyle, your body shape, whatever. There's so many things that are, that are obstacles to getting cast, or, or might be to your advantage. Just depends.
1: Yes, that's that's why I was shocked. I was like, oh, I didn't realize he was that tall. I was like, like like you say, like, okay, he's tall and lucky for the role. And then I was like, oh, he is really Really tall. tall. Because in the one scene, I guess, uh, where you're at the restaurant and you got the two guys, the bouncer guys, Mm. I guess they were a little bit taller as well because you looked about the same height. And I was like, Mm. okay, he's an average height. But I'm like, oh, now those are some taller dudes, too. They were the big bulk guys for the restaurant. (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. It just kind of depends who you who, who you who you're up against. Max, who plays Wesley, who's like sixteen for season two, he's he's like shot up, and so he'd be six foot six foot one. So when I stand with him, it, it doesn't look so like such a big difference. When I stand with Callan, who plays Jeremy, who's also got a little bit taller, but he's you know, he's much shorter, and you can kind of you can sort of tell. But yeah, it's a weird one. Sometimes I think you know I wish that I was like I don't know. Six four or six five, because I just think psychologically, for people on paper, they're like, oh yeah, that's really tall. And then sometimes when people see like six seven, six eight, they're like, oh that's like crazy tall. And you're like, well yeah, I mean, but it's only whatever sort of five or six centimeters. But there is something that gets in people's <laughs> gets in people's heads about it. Anyway, I'm on a crusade for more uh, for more more giant men to be on screen instead of these Tom Cruise types.
1: Yes, I think that's the, the great Doug Jones was talking about. Like, he was like, Yeah, the reason I originally got into creature acting is because I'm this tall, very tall, lanky thing. And it kind of worked that it just happened to be what they needed for a creature. Yeah. So it kind of, his uniqueness is what got him into his niche. Mm-hmm. And going into like creatures and the makeups on set for like the aliens, was that a lot of CG or how much of that was? Um, practical effects and how was that for you like seeing the practical effect uh, caliber that they had on the show
0: mm-hmm. it's a lot lots of sort of cg stuff and like all shows like that even though it's a kids show i think season from season one to two some of the cg stuff in the second season has like taken a real step up and is really cool obviously they have to be mindful of that it can't be terrifying for children but the cg stuff is really cool and there's a whole lot of practical stuff um there was a a puppeteer called Joel um who would build a lot of stuff for the show um that they were doing camera so there's an episode um there's the well in the finale, in the finale of the second season and it also happens in the first season there's a sequence where the lead kid Kylie is feeding some sort of blue goop to an alien and there's all these it's sort of like the way my shot is set up now and we're there we've got this thing and we're sort of going to feed it to this the point of view of the alien and there's all these tentacles that are kind of coming into the screen that are like whacking us in the face and so that's not cg that's all practical and so it was this giant puppet when the episode airs i've got heaps of um, video that I took of the day that I did it, but it was all marionette stuff and these giant tentacles that they'd built. And so he would operate them. Um, and that would all be, be in camera. And, uh, he did all sorts of crazy things. He had to, he had to make a ferret. Um, for season two that, that uh, jumps onto my face at one point. No spoilers, but uh, something, that's something to look forward to. And, and, yeah, other things where there was a portal in one of the earlier episodes this season where a, a sort of a giant um, alien limb came out of this portal to try and grab someone. And, again, that was all in camera with practical um, puppetry and stuff. So there's, there's a bit of both. But the 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 stuff that was done on set with um, with puppets and practical effects is really really impressive. It's a, a, amazing what they can do, and a lot of CG stuff as well. Whenever we kind of morph into the big blobs, that's that's all uh, all, all computer stuff.
1: Oh yes, now now that your character on the show, on Gabby Duran, and our shape shifting aliens, have you had any aspirations or talked them into like? hey, I want to, can y'all do like a, or a, I'm in like a prosthetic makeup or something, just kind of like get that aspect of like playing a character in makeup or having that experience or have you yeah. had an interest in that or?
0: I mean, I've done like a, I did a little bit of sort of prosthetic stuff for like a commercial years ago and it's pretty excruciating. And I actually have a friend of mine, one of my best friends is on the the CW show Legacies and he plays um the necromancer. He's like a sort of recurring character, and he. Uh, I mean, you, go, you. I'm sure if you Google search it, you'll see the picture. He's in full prosthetics, fake teeth, contact lenses. Looks amazing, but he. I mean, he spends hours and hours in the makeup chair. So, I wouldn't mind doing it for a day, but like, I wouldn't want it to be a. Uh, I wouldn't want it to be a, a regular thing. And as I said, the one time I've tried it, it was. Uh, it was rough staying in that, uh, staying in that all day. So yeah, bring on the CG as far as I'm concerned. I wanna keep my, um, keep the prosthetics to a minimum. <laughs> but you know, if it's for the right thing, it was like uh, John Lithgow when he played Churchill in Darkest Hour, no, did he have a lot of prosthetics? Someone who played Churchill, maybe it wasn't the John. No, it was whoever played him in the other Churchill movie. And it was uh, the amazing Japanese prosthetics uh, guy. I mean, if it's right for the role and it looks amazing, uh, I'd do it. But man, it's it's pretty painful.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, just I I do special effects makeup myself. Just oh well, there I, you, you
0: know. go. I shouldn't shouldn't offend you. It is, and, it's an amazing art form. But a oh yeah, and it's and it
1: can take a long time. Like I did for a couple of Halloween's ago. My my stepbrother one to do a zombie how do you do this stuff like I was like I wouldn't say I'm professional he's like I've seen your work you're good and I was like I say, and he's like so what can you do for me I was like what's your budget how long do I have and so he was just amazed what I did I took I went to Walmart he had like I think 30 minutes and I was like 30 minutes and 20 bucks so I was like all right here's your budget so I made him a complete zombie with a ripped up face teeth and everything and he was just Astounded by the artistic ability because I took like fake nails and the slit throat from Walmart and made it a mouth and he was like <laughs> and he's like, oh my God, it looks like I'm and he won a costume contest for it and he was like, thank you. I was like, thank you for taking the pictures so I can show my work and I know it's it's a process and he was like, I was like, that's just 30 minutes. I was like, imagine having to do more than that for a, like a more professional version of that.
0: Like yeah. I've talked
1: to Roy Wooley of a uh, face off and he's worked on gardens of the galaxy and he's like oh yeah he's like Dave batista when we had to do his stuff he's like Dave batista is in the chair 6 6 plus hours yeah. just to do his chess piece yeah. so yeah definitely i know you're like yeah i'm i'm, I'm good
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'll do it i'll do it if i if i if i have to if it's a, if it's a worthwhile cause but man you got to have some pretty Got to have your your meditative uh, techniques down for for that much time. Yeah, definitely.
1: I think there's a story of Jim Carrey like having like going into like panic attack during uh, how the Grinch stole Christmas, Uh, and they had to get like a torture expert to like talk to him because he was so so much makeup. And then I think the story ended up as uh, he talked uh, Ron Howard. He was like you don't, you think this is, I'm just playing around. So he had Ron Howard in the the full makeup. Uh, Rick Baker did him up in the yeah. full makeup on set one day. And Ron, after the whole day of wearing that exclude, that whole bunch of stuff on him, he was like, okay, I'm sorry, Jim. I understand now. I'm sorry. Oh man,
0: <laughs> It's so weird. And also it's really weird the way people, um, it, it, depending on how full on whatever you're wearing is like, people can't interact with you. Like they find it really strange just sort of talk to you they know it's you but they can't they sort of can't deal with it we had one of the kids I can't spoil it again but one of the kids does some crazy prosthetics in season two and even though I sort of understand that and know the sort of effect it has when someone's wearing a mask I just couldn't look at this kid I was like this is so bizarre you just you can't even talk to someone when they've lost that sort of visual cue of who they are it's so discombobulating so it can also be if you're spending a lot of time on set um with that you know whatever it may be on it's just really sort of isolating sometimes as well and so that's weird as well but look if they pay you enough if they're gonna pay me pay me enough i'll do anything
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> it's like i always make the joke on here on my yeah, if you want to sponsor my podcast, like I'll I'll, I'll say whatever you want me to say. Like, yeah, this perfume smells amazing, or this food tastes great. I was like, it might be horrible, but hey, you want to pay me? I'll sell it. Yeah. I was like, as long as it's not hurting someone or myself, I'll say it tastes great. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I hope that I hope you can hook that up. Let's get you let's get you some sponsors, a bit of uh, some some high end perfume, diamonds, something like that. I think that's on brand.
1: Yes, definitely. Like like Noto with you guys reaching out and helping me out, like I said, I was like, okay, I'm stepping up in the world. I'm having agents send their people to me. So I'm doing something right. (laughs)
0: Yeah, good, good. (laughs) Awesome, thank you, Jeremy. It's been really nice to to talk to you. Um, yeah, it's been been great. There's there's uh, always always depends on who you're talking to as to how fun or not it is, and I've I've really enjoyed chatting with you. So, good luck with thank your podcast, you. yeah. and uh, and I really appreciate you having me on.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I, everybody, i like I tell them, I'm like I'm not. I know you do buckets and junkets all the time. I'm like. I'm a, it's a show. Sure. We're just going to be two friends. Hammer a conversation. Just one of us happens to have an interesting career. <laughs>
0: <Are> you, <laughs> no, you're very interesting. Uh,
1: so what are the socials that uh, people can find you at to follow you or hire you for something? Where can they find you at?
0: Just really, I mean, Instagram is, I'm on Twitter, but, you know, my my legion of, of 12-year-old fans uh, are not really on Twitter. So really Instagram, which is just like Nathan underscore Lovejoy. And then the same thing on the TikTok, uh, where I am less less prolific these days. I had a real I really had a real uh, strong TikTok push during the first lockdown before we had a ba- before we had a baby. Um, I was very productive on TikTok, so you can go and view my back catalogue there. But I haven't posted in a while. I'm going to try and get back into it. But yeah, Instagram and TikTok, Nathan underscore Lovejoy.
1: Awesome, and and to book you, they can just reach out to Nilda at Elite PR or Elite uh, Public Relations.
0: Yeah, if you want to, if you want to talk to me for your uh, your podcast or your article, that's the way to do it. And then you know I've got agents and all the rest for anything else. But I'm sure you'll find me if you need to.
1: <laughs> all right, everyone, that's going to be another episode of the Phantom Squad podcast. Would you like to share our outro? Enjoy the madness. All right, thank you for coming on. You are now leaving the Fandom Squad Podcast. You've been listening to the Discussing Network.
0: Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com.